0: Without love as the central feature of your faith, your influence in office will be less than it could be. Your spouse, family members, and colleagues must know in their heart of hearts that you are first and foremost a loving person in order for you to be influential. As Paul states, without love, I am nothing. What then are the defining aspects of love that we need to be continually working on and growing in? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 states, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is sandwiched between two chapters of instruction by Paul to the church at Corinth, whose members, in their carnality, emphasize the practice of certain spiritual gifts above the practice of Christian love. Paul instructs them that love is preeminent. It's what ties people together. We will be looking at 15 love-defining words, all of which are presented in the present continuous text, denoting actions and attitudes which have become habitual, ingrained gradually by constant repetition. The defining characteristics of love are worthy of constant review and practice with our spouses, family members, office staff, and professional colleagues. Love is what ties us together and sustains our relationships. Given that repetition is the key to learning and ingraining, I like to study the topic of love often. Akin to driving a car, these specific measurable aspects of love should become habitual responses in our lives, even though they are more difficult and take much longer to cultivate than the road habits of driving a car. Before examining the fundamental elements of love, Paul first emphasizes, and appropriately so, the essentiality of love as the superior trait. Let us take a look at that first. The essentiality of love, 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. In these three opening verses, Paul makes three stark comparisons in order to underscore the incomparability of love. These introductory remarks exclaim the dominance of love as a virtue over all other character traits. It is important, motivating, and insightful to note that the three comparisons are related to qualities necessary to succeed in the capital community. One must possess speaking skills, verse 1 leadership, verse 2, and self-sacrifice, verse 3. As critical as those are, from God's perspective, love is of even greater importance. Let us elaborate on each of Paul's comparisons. The first in verse 1 pertains to a person's oratory abilities. Love over oration, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Your love for others is more important than your speaking abilities. The metaphorical meaning of becoming a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal relates to empty philosophizing. Someone who knows and exclaims all the right answers, but has no love is akin to the church of Ephesus, as described in Revelation 2, 1 through 7. That church has all the right doctrine, but has lost their love for God. Proverbs 3, 3 summarizes the necessary virtues of a public servant as both a herald of truth and a man or woman of love. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Solomon's use of the word neck and heart bespeak both love, kindness, and truth as being a part of one's outward and inward adornment. The meaning of the Hebrew word for heart, leb, includes the aspects of one's intellect, emotion, and will. The mature believer possesses both love and truth in full measure. Because their priorities are straight, public servants who are loving are neither inwardly nor outwardly a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Even when they herald the truth in public debate, their speech is couched in words of love. Love over leading, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love i am nothing it is not a stretch to interpret the second verse of chapter 13 as a statement of the primacy of love over leadership public servants who know the word of god who are knowledgeable of all the policy issues and possess faith who are knowledgeable of all the policy issues and possess faith i e visionary leadership for the future But do not possess a genuine, heartfelt love for people amount to nothing, Scripture tells us. The phrase, so as to remove mountains, is Pauline hyperbole, also seen in verse 7, intended to convey, to make what seems impossible, possible. You may be a great leader, or an up-and-coming great leader in American government, one who may be able to achieve what others deem impossible. You may be a person of great faith, But never forget that it is more important to love people, especially those who have nothing to do with helping you accomplish your leadership objectives. Do not kid yourself into thinking that people don't pick up on self-centeredness. How to Become a Marginalized Public Servant In my years of ministry in the California State Capitol Building, and since 2010 in the U.S. Capitol, I have observed certain members who became marginalized, ineffective, and discounted by others because they doubled down on truth at the expense of love. I beg you not to follow in their footsteps. It is essential that you are as loving as you are truthful. Love over self-sacrifice, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor... And if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. To be sure, those who give sacrificially of time, talent, and treasure are to be respected above those who do not. But compared to love, sacrificial qualities are of lesser significance. In fact, a life of personal sacrifice for whatever objective wanes in comparison to a life of loving others. One who lacks love is woefully deficient. Love is the indispensable addition which alone gives worth to all other Christian gifts. Lord, help us to work on being more loving. Life in the capital, in the community, or in the home without love is nothing. Udes. How are you doing as a preeminently loving person, a lover of people, and especially your spouse if you're married? Keep in mind that emotions, both good and bad, always stem from one's thinking, either proper or improper. We have control over our thoughts as we submit to the process of having our minds renewed in Jesus, Romans 12, verse 2. What follows the essentiality of love in the inspired mind of the Apostle Paul is the objective evidence of love. It should help to answer the question, am I a loving person? Evidence of love supersedes subjective feelings that may or may not accurately reflect one's real love quotient. The Evidence of Love, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love is an often misused word with a broad array of definitions in our culture. With the scripture as our guide, we can zero in on the truth about love. Paul opens by stating what love is. Love is patient and kind. But then describes Seven characteristics of love's absence, what love is not. Sometimes the best way to describe what something is, is to state what it's not. Love is patience, macrothumeo, literally long-suffering. This first characteristic of love is the ability to be taken advantage of by a person many times and not be upset. The root word means to persevere. James uses this same Greek word in describing the attitude of the prophets of old, whose words went unheeded by their peers. Cross-reference James 5 verse 8. Program your mind with Philippians 1 6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. The truth of this passage will help sober you to the fact that God is not through sanctifying the offending person. In fact, none of us is perfect. So be patient, not condemning and judgmental. Remember, too, that since Christ forgave your sins, past, present, and future, you must find room in your heart to forgive others who have wronged you. To be long-suffering or patient with another's shortcomings is to be categorically loving. Love is kind, Crestu O oh mai The counterpart of patience is kindness. The Greek word means to show oneself mild. This characteristic is shown in a willingness to give to another, including one's enemies, and to be gentle and slow in avenging. The Greek root speaks to one desires and works for another's welfare. It is the idea of goodwill, generous responses and actions. In contradistinction to holding on to past bad memories and being continually bothered, as in, he gets on my nerves. Love is not jealous, zaleo. At its root, being jealous means to desire earnestly. Jealousy, as it is used here, is similar to covetousness, carrying the idea of envy. It is a desire to have what another possesses, as well as fearing that someone will take what you have. In contrast, Scripture commands us not to want what others possess. And to give to others what we possess, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. Romans twelve fifteen. Choose to be glad for those who have, be they more talented, successful, popular, or beautiful, rather than being jealous or envious. Are you the biggest cheerleader of your mates, children, grandchildren, and colleagues? Love does not brag. Per per literally to boast or vaunt oneself. The mature in Christ has forgotten about self-importance. Center on others, not self. Proverbs 27.2 states, Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. Further, be known for asking sincere questions. Cultivate personal curiosity, talking little about yourself. Don't be quick to add your personal stories to every conversation. In the crowds in which you circulate, Everyone already gets the point. They don't need to hear your long-winded illustrations that include individuals they know nothing about. It is better to spend your time asking questions of others and giving short answers when asked a question. Love does not brag. When approaching a conversation, ask yourself, What can I learn from this person versus what can I tell them about me? Love is not arrogant. Fuziao. Literally, to puff or blow up. William Carey, who translated the Bible into 34 languages, was once insulted at a banquet. An arrogant man said to him, Mr. Carey, I understand that you were once a shoemaker. Carey replied, I was not a shoemaker, only a shoe repairman. Strive to be big-hearted, not big-headed. Make it a habit to downplay self in the presence of others. Proverbs 16.18 states, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Conversely, keep in mind James 4.6, God gives grace to the humble. Love does not act unbecomingly, a shemoneo. This is the characteristic of those who care so little for others around them that they act without proper decorum for the occasion. They act rudely or impolitely, maybe even crudely. Work always on sensitivity toward others. Always display respect for another regardless of their position or ability to assist in your objectives. Love does not seek its own, zeteo hewatu. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, Matthew 20, verse 28. Be occupied with others' needs, not your own. Philippians 2, verse 3 states, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit but with humility of mind regarding one another as more important than yourselves. This is boilerplate Christianity. Are your spouse's or colleague's objectives more important to you than your own? What will you give by way of time, talent, and treasure for your spouse or colleague that will demonstrate unmistakably that you cherish them above yourself? One of the measurable aspects of love is not seeking your self-interests all the time. Coach Wooden used to stress the habit of doing a daily kind deed for someone who in no way can ever repay you. That is an excellent habit because it keeps reminding us of this truth. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked, paroxuno. Literally to irritate, arouse to anger. Love guards against being upset, irritated, or angered. Remember, love is kind. People who are intent on having their own way are easily provoked when they don't get what they want. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered, logizomai. The Greek has the idea of not ledgering or keeping a running log of the wrongs done against you. On the contrary, an important early church father, Christenstum, remarked that a wrong done against love is like a spark that falls into the sea and is extinguished forever. The famous saying, don't get mad, get even, illustrates the opposite of the idea being conveyed here. If you are a Christian, your response must be to forgive and forget. You are to obliterate the memory of wrongs done to you, rather than hanging on to them. Do not cultivate a memory akin to an elephant. Praise God that he does not take into consideration our past sin. Clasping onto the virtue of Christ's forgiveness enables us to forsake the bondage of bitterness. Don't keep a log. It is not loving. Paul, who was more ill-treated than you will ever be, said, forgetting what lies behind, Philippians 3, verse 13. Can the same be said of you? Do you instead... Press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.14 Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Adikia Isaiah warns, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Isaiah 5.20 It is not loving to sacrifice truth. One should not applaud the presence of sin in another. The biblical concept of love is not emotional sentimentality devoid of truth. Love rejoices with the truth, aletheia. Love cares that what another believes is truthful. It is not loving to allow others to be hurt by lies, since what they believe and then act upon can determine personal, family, and national destinies. Love does not rejoice with erroneous thinking. The following remaining four elements of love are expressed by means of a literary device known as hyperbole exaggeration in order to make a strong point. The repetition of all things in the following passages refers to everything within the confines of God's righteousness, will, and tolerance. Love bears all things, stego, literally to cover. In other words, love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4.8, Proverbs 10.12. You can measure your love for another by how quickly you are willing to forgive and forget their faults and move on. The believer's actions must emulate God's character as revealed in Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the East is from the West, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. In order for us to be as loving as Jesus expects us to be, we must forgive and forget. Love believes all things. Pisteo. Love trusts it is confident. It isn't suspicious or cynical. Love trusts even after having been hurt from trusting in the past. It is better to trust and be hurt again than to end up living life alone and embittered. Keep taking risks in your relationships. Love hopes all things. El Piso. This relates to happy anticipation. Jesus did not take Peter's failure as final. The believer continues to hope that sinners will someday turn from their sin and that believers will continually mature in Christ, for to lose hope is equivalent to losing love. Again, as with the virtue of patience, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus, states Paul in Philippians 1 verse 6. Remember, as long as God's grace remains operational in this world— Human failure is never final. People can learn from their mistakes. Hope for the best in people to carry within you. Such an optimistic attitude toward others is to be loving. Love endures all things. Hupomino. This Greek word is used of an army that holds its position no matter what the cost. Love holds fast to the one it loves. It will stand against all opposition. Love remains loyal, even when the object of love is less than perfect. These 15 virtues may seem somewhat mechanical, but they will produce the critically important love that ties us together for the long run. Theologically speaking, all of these attributes of love already perfectly exist in the child of God, according to Colossians 2.10a. The believer is made perfect before God at the point of salvation, how close we are to our God-given, perfectly loving nature in everyday practice is a matter of obedience. No believer can reason, I am just not a very loving person. All believers are perfect in love. The question is how obedient are we to our new nature in Christ? The Exuberance of Love Let us briefly review Colossians 3:12 through 14 for additional insights into the emotional aspects of love. This passage speaks of the passions of love. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. In light of all the perfect, sacrificial love Jesus Christ has displayed to and for the world, John 3.16, God expects nothing less in response from His followers. Heart of Compassion, Splanknon Oitermos. This speaks of the seat of emotions. The elements that follow in this passage are very similar to the ones in 1 Corinthians 13, but are listed here in the context of having a heart of compassion. God's exuberant, supernatural love is poured forth in the life of the believer through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Again, and importantly, all of the elements of love presently exist in the believer's heart. Cross-reference Ephesians 1-3 Colossians 2, verse 10, and 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4. It is not a matter of gaining them. It is a matter of taking ownership and using them. The aspects of love listed in Corinthians and Colossians are all characteristics of the truly redeemed, and they should naturally flow forth in and from the life of every spirit-filled follower of Christ. The Eternality of Love Returning to the closing passages on love found in 1 Corinthians 13, we read, Love never fails. Love is permanent. It is an attribute of God, which means it never withers or decays. It is not as if love is important to one generation and not another. Love is to be present and active in the life of every believer at all times and in every generation. Like Jesus, we must possess eternal, unfailing, ever-present love. Godly, agape love is part of the believer's very nature. May these virtues of love increasingly unfold for you. May you conscientiously and habitually cultivate Christ's unending love in your life. May God help you to put on the very nature every believer already possesses, reflecting love's essentiality as the superior trait, showing evidence of love in your life expressing love's exuberance, and entering into God's eternal mission of love. Amen. What happens to the pursuit of knowledge in the life of the believer, who is wholeheartedly endeavoring to express the love of God? Do those two pursuits conflict with one another? We will now address that question as we look at the role of knowledge in our Christian walk. Chapter 6, Study Questions, The Preeminence of Love When he said, without love I am nothing, the Apostle Paul underscored the biblical tenet that love must be central to a believer's faith. This chapter investigates what the Bible says are the defining aspects of love. Questions for Public Servants What are three skills that are greatly valued by human beings that the Apostle Paul lists as being ineffective if love is not present? Which attributes of Christian love do you struggle with? What can you do to better incorporate these attributes that are difficult for you in your daily life? Discussion Questions for Leaders The Apostle Paul sets Christian love above all else. Does Christian love differ from society's perspective of love? Are they compatible? In what ways are they different? In what ways are they alike? It has been said that as Christians, we should do nothing and say nothing without love. Do you agree or disagree? Is this possible? If so, how? Which three of the 15 virtues of Christian love are most important to you? Why are they important to personal relationships? Why are they important to you as a leader? This concludes Chapter 6.